you can't be overthinking when someone's trying to kick you in the face. You just can't do it. At that point, your mind's quite clear. And what's happening is you're embodied. You are using your physicality to be in that moment. It's no longer an intellectual experience or a study in the thinking mind. Welcome back to the Mindset Mastery Podcast. Today on the show, wholehearted men's coach Adam Stanecki joins me to talk about living in your head versus living in your heart. He has a background in hypnosis, NLP, psychotherapy, as well as fitness and wellness coaching. For over 25 years, Adam has been investigating how to live his best life possible. He's studied philosophies and practices from all around the world, and along the way has helped thousands of people on their own inner journeys. Adam now holds space and provides guidance for men who are investigating the path of inner work. He uses a combination of trance work, meditation, breath work, and embodiment practices to move men out of their heads and into their hearts. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Rachel. It's uh, really interesting to listen to someone talk about yourself like that. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. I've had the, the same experience on as a guest on other podcasts, and I think it's a bit of a, a surreal thing to hear someone else talk about you like that. It is. And for the longest time, I've been on this journey of wanting to help people and not really knowing exactly how that was going to manifest. And to think that there have been thousands of people helped with the ripple effect of putting something out there is just profound. And that hit me when you, when you said that. And yeah, just, wow, yeah, okay. I mean, it's taken a long time to get to that point, but that's, that's, really, that's really cool to look back at and just think about that for a moment. Yeah. I think the other cool thing is you don't really know the full extent of what you've done, you know, especially when we live in such an online world and people that you may never know might have, you know, come across your content and it's, there's that ripple effect. Like you said, you really don't know the full extent of what you've been able to do for someone. It's so true. And it was, it, it was an interesting thing when I came into finally saying, okay, I'm going to predominantly work with men my initial feeling was, but that cuts off working with women who I really enjoy working with. But then when I sat and thought about it for a while, quite often having that one entry point allows for that ripple to occur. So if I can help a man maybe be better as a husband, a partner, a father, a son, a friend, then that, that echoes. So I am helping men, women, and everyone else by helping men so it's okay i can do that now because otherwise i would have felt like i'm being very restrictive but it seems to work really well yeah well that's right you know we all have partners brothers fathers you know all different relationships with men in our lives so you know it is only targeting that one half of the population but in a way it is you know helping everyone in their lives so yeah that's awesome and i guess the other part for me is being a man i can speak from lived experience there's only so much i can speak to a woman about it's only the being human stuff i can't speak to the womanly aspect of what it is to live i can but to men i can for the most part speak about uh, and acknowledge what it is to be a man yeah yeah absolutely so what was it initially like where were you at in your life when you wanted to go on your own 
in a journey and start studying. You studied a number of things over the last 25 years. So what was the starting point for you? I would love to be able to give you a definitive answer. When, when I think about this myself, my parents took me to judo when I was eight. So my martial arts journey started there. And, and judo is a very fundamental martial art. You learn how to fall, get back up again. You learn how to defend yourself. You learn how to throw. You learn how to keep balance, off balance your opponent. There's some really interesting philosophical bits and pieces in and around the martial art, which from a physical point of view is a very, very effective martial art. So I think that started me down the path of looking into Eastern philosophy, Taoism and the roots of Tai Chi and things like that. And uh, then, then the Japanese Shinto religions, Buddhism, and then even going all the way into the Hindu mythology, which is so broad that you're like, where do you find an end to that? So <laughs> there's lifetimes worth of exploration there. I think that's where it started. Yeah, awesome. I do a martial arts study as well. And I think as much as it is the physical aspects of it with the self-defense and all the things you listed, but that philosophical and mental elements, I think that's a fantastic thing, you know, to start from a really early age. And it just brings, I suppose, that awareness in the very beginning of all those things. So yeah, that's a great thing to start when you were eight years old. Yeah. And surprisingly, I only did it for a year or two and my parents cannot recall why it was stopped because it wasn't my decision so I often wonder if there was some kind of parental politics going on the parents didn't get along so Adam all of a sudden wasn't doing judo anymore so I had a knack for it it wasn't until I was in my mid-teens that I got back into martial arts and now I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for almost 20 years so that's where I sit at the moment which is a really interesting martial art to be involved in because it's a very relaxed culture it's almost a surfing culture, but if you dig, even if you dig into a surfing culture, it's very spiritual in its essence. It's like one with nature and all of that kind of stuff. And Brazilian jiu-jitsu is very similar. It's, it's come out of a, a place that fighting was very big and that this whole macho kind of manliness, which is you know, something I'm not a big fan of, but I can see where it came from. And yet, even though there's not the Eastern discussion of philosophy, it's still there. It's still there. And as I get older and the young kids start to beat me up, then my approach to the martial art has to change. So the philosophical stuff comes out almost in, a, in an organic way. Yeah, absolutely. So what was it that drove you to want to become a coach? Uh, accident. <laughs> Honestly, it was, it, was, it was definitely by accident. So the, the long story short is, I had a bust up in a relationship and ran away to London and had just finished a PT degree to become a personal trainer, which was what everyone was doing in the 90s. And I think they're still doing it now. And then fell into working as a gym instructor and as a PT in London, came back home after a year with a fiance and different person. And... <laughs> didn't know what to do well what am I going to do now I don't have a job I've, I've, I'd, I'd let go of my previous profession and I'd sort of fallen into this idea of doing fitness because I was interested in fitness from the martial arts so I started a PT business not knowing what I was doing put an ad in the yellow pages as you did back in those days got one client got two clients got 10 clients and it grew 
And then I had a gym. So I was by, by default, I was a coach because I was working in a gym and I was coaching people. And then I ended up coaching people with all of their personal stuff between their ears. What do I do for a job, Adam? How do I start a gym? How do I create what you created? So when I sold the gym, I became a business coach by accident. I didn't even like the title. I didn't even like being associated with other business coaches because it was something that, be, something that came to me organically. It was just sharing the knowledge that I'd discovered for myself through trial and error with people who wanted to know. And luckily enough, it paid the bills. And then that interestingly became an exercise whereby the people I was working with didn't need to work on their business. They needed to work on themselves. And so there was a big schism because I was taking people into territory that they weren't ready to go into. And yet I, I couldn't call myself a business coach because I wasn't coaching business anymore. I was coaching people. Mm. So then it fell into hypnosis and psychotherapy and therapy and coaching in between the ears. So it's been a very organic journey. Yeah, that's great. So I want to ask you, what is the difference between living in your head and living in your heart? <sighs> that sound right there. Honestly, the, that feeling of comfort and centeredness and groundness only comes in the heart space. When, when you feel disconnected from that, and this is true for everyone, it's when that little voice in your head is running rampant and it, it disconnects you from your center. So language isn't the best way for us to communicate. It would just be lovely if we could just sit and maybe do some kind of vibrational understanding of each other, right? But, but language is what we've got. So we talk about head and heart, but really another way we could talk about it is intellect and intuition. And this is an interesting one when we're talking men and women and masculine and feminine energy because the intellect's a masculine energy and the intuition's a feminine energy. Neither is right nor wrong. We seem to mostly, especially for men, get stuck in our heads. And we're taught that as kids. You're a man, you have problems, you go fix problem. Here's a hammer. And then all of a sudden you see nails everywhere. So that's a, that's a very masculine, manly thing that we all learn. And, and quite often, and I can't speak to for every man, but for most men that I speak to, we don't really understand how people who come from an intuitive background get anything done. It doesn't make any sense because we're analyzing and we're problem solving and we're thinking. But it's not until we get beyond that need to think and understand intellectually that it, stuff starts to make sense. And I've not ever seen that not be true. For someone who has what we might call mental health challenges or just uh, problems getting to where they want to go to or just feeling stuck, they're, they're, they're never being intuitive. They're never going with their gut feeling or doing what their heart tells them to do. They're not following their heart. Their head's getting in the way and they're hyper-analyzing everything. So when I talk about getting out of the head and getting in the heart, it's almost like quiet your mind, quiet your thinking mind so you can let your intuition come out. Yeah. So again, we, we're using words to try and talk about something that almost you almost have to experience to understand. Absolutely. So for someone who has never experienced that, or they're just, you know, trying to block it out and just stay living up in the headspace, how do you 
quiet your thoughts so that you can start to move through that and just you know experience it and and understand it for the first time i think the best way is to sit with someone who can guide you through it like right then and then and that, that can be virtually or it can be in the same room because there's a bit of a trap with all of these and they're wonderful all of these apps that might do a guided meditation or mindfulness or just you know there's even apps that talk about stoic philosophy and how you can live your life via a stoic way of life but they give you the information that by default we process with our thinking mind and we analyze and we dissect and we try and make fit to our beliefs and our values but we don't experience it now you'll be able to see behind me that i've got a big shelf full of books and for the longest time, I read all of those books and understood what the book said intellectually, but not experientially. So they'd be talking about calmness and being centered and not getting caught up in thoughts and things like that. And I would just think about that stuff. So it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm not doing it. I'm not being it. I'm thinking about it. Mm. So what I have found is if you have a guide, that's really, really helpful. It could be a meditation instructor. It could be a yoga instructor who has an understanding of even teaching something as simple as breathing techniques, like some pranayama exercises. Because what we try and do at, at the entry point is almost distract the thinking mind or put something in the way or even something for the thinking mind to focus on so it doesn't go off and on but the difficulty comes in when you put a process in place the thinking mind wants to analyze it and then find out why it won't work and do all of these things so invariably what i do with clients when they first come to me now is i ask them to sit and this is very challenging so it depends on where they're at i ask the client to sit and do nothing literally no thing get a cushion and sit and that's the, that's the activity. Don't say a mantra. Don't meditate. Don't count your breaths. Don't adjust your breathing. Don't look at the wall. Just, just sit there and let your brain, your mind, do what it does. So what happens is without forcing, there the, the, the is an awareness of the thoughts. And it's some, so for some people, they get it straight away. Oh, look, oh, yeah, I'm thinking. I can see what I'm thinking. Oh, I'm thinking that. Oh, that's interesting. And so you're building this faculty of the witness, watching your own mind think, mm -hmm. which is really interesting because if we think about it, we can, we can watch or witness our lungs breathing. We can, if we really pay attention, we can actually listen to and feel our heartbeat. If you get really in tune with your body, you can start to feel the tingles around your body as your blood flows around your body and maybe the other fluids are moving as well. Some people would talk about chi and energy moving around the body. So if you get really attuned, you can witness a lot of stuff. And it's no different to witnessing the thinking because that's what the brain does. It thinks, the mind thinks. Heart beats, lungs breathe. So that's where it starts, just becoming aware of what's happening. Once you're aware, you can start to see the gap between the thoughts. Mm. And that's when the doorway opens up because the more and more you pay attention, the less thoughts there are, the more gap there is, and all of a sudden you can't. But you didn't try and do it. So you don't fall into the trap of putting effort on top. 
Yeah, definitely. So for you to get from that point of reading the books and thinking to the place of experiencing and being, did you have your own coach or mentors that took you through that? I've had bunches of them, bunches of them. But what happened for me was I had to sit there and do the whole, hang on a moment, I keep doing the same thing and I keep getting the same results. Something's not right here. Now, admittedly, that was an intellectual exercise. So I did have to go through the process of I'm doing this and I'm getting that. It's like an input and output kind of activity. But something's not right. So I have to change something. And clearly what I do all the time is think. So what if I don't? Mm. And <laughs> that was really tough because from a, a young boy taught how to do it, went through high school. Everything is very much mathematics and scientific thinking, problem solving. I studied computing in uni, which is all problem solving. Someone literally comes to you with a problem and says, write a solution with code that fixes this problem. And then that was my first professional job. So I had 25 plus years of that. So I have to deprogram myself. How do you, how do you do that? And it literally for me became, I've just got to sit. I tried meditation programs, but I was thinking about them. Mm. I tried yoga, but I was analyzing the positions and which muscle groups they affected and all of this kind of stuff because I was in the gym industry. So everything was being analyzed. And that was why it wasn't working. It wasn't until I realized at a non-intellectual level that everything I was doing was analytical. Mm. And then it was like, there was an exercise. I can't tell you exactly what I did, but it was just stripping that back and allowing myself to do less mentally. Really uncomfortable stuff. Yeah. Really uncomfortable. Especially in our fast-paced world and we're always connected now and it just seems like you know, you always feel like you've got to be switched on. It's mm-hmm. hard to even, you know, before I started doing any kind of like yoga or meditation or anything, it was like, I just, I have to be doing something, checking your email or, you know, social media, or even if I was, okay, I'm going to disconnect from the online thing. It's like, well, what can I do? What can I think about (laughs) all these things? And I think with that comes the overthinking and anxiety and the critical self-judgment. So we've talked about just being calm and being still and doing nothing. Is that a practice that can also help with overthinking and anxiety and all the the self-judgment that we experience it definitely can help unfortunately what's difficult about it is it's so different to all of the doing you're effectively asking someone just to flick a switch so that's why i say a guide is important someone who can see how far that change can go at the start so for some people it might be sit quietly for a minute literally do nothing for a minute because you would know people like this in your life because i certainly do that just go 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 until they fall over Mm. it's it's like someone wound them up too tight and and they have to keep going that kind of a person isn't going to sit still for five minutes and the difficult difficulty can also be if someone's not there just to talk you through it that you can feel like you're not doing it right and, that, and I put my hand up. That was my difficulty when I first investigated meditation. I kept talking myself out of it. 
Am I sitting properly? Am I breathing properly? Is my posture correct? Oh, no, I'm thinking about it. That's doing it wrong. I shouldn't be thinking. Oh, did, am, I, am I saying the mantra in my head correctly? Did I pronounce that even though it's internally? Did I pronounce it right? So, so that wasn't working because I was still thinking about it. As if I had found a good meditation teacher, and my fault, I didn't go looking for someone. I wanted to do it all myself because you know, I knew everything. I was in my 20s. So finding that person to help is really important. But to answer your question about anxiety and overthinking and how you can do that, the, the other side of it, and you might have this experience with martial arts. I don't, I don't, what, what do you study? Which martial art do you study? It's called Yun Jung Do. Oh, now you have to elaborate. I'm interested. Yeah, so our Yun Jung Do master okay. was originally a Taekwondo. Yeah, so it's similar but different. <laughs> okay, so knowing the small amount I know about Taekwondo, I can, I can sort of imagine out to what you're doing, right? You can't be overthinking when someone's trying to kick you in the face. You just can't do it. At that point, your mind's quite clear. And what's happening is you're embodied. You are using your physicality to be in that moment. It's no longer an intellectual experience or a study in the thinking mind. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is exactly the same. When someone's trying to choke you unconscious, you don't think, oh, gee, I should have put my right hand here two moves ago because by the time you've had that thought, you're more choked than you were a moment ago. Again, it's a fully embodied experience. Effectively, what we do in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is we mimic murdering each other, but we just stop just before we do it. So it's kind of, it's, it's a really interesting experience. You don't get to think about the bills that you've got to pay and the person that cut in on front of you at the last roundabout and the fact that you need to buy milk before you get home. So by accident, that was another thing that I found with my overthinking, that if I did something physically that fully took my attention out of my head, then I got those moments of clarity where I wasn't talking myself down, wasn't thinking about all of my perceived problems. Same was true in a gym. Try and lift a, a heavy weight, do a heavy back squat swing a kettlebell over your head you don't do that while you're thinking about what you're doing next because you're going to hurt yourself so these kind of ideas can come into how do we get out of our head and it can be as simple as going for a walk now when you start you'll be thinking well i can walk with and i can think whatever i want to think but at some point you can walk in a mindful way where you're actually really concentrating on the experience of walking mm. so Often doing the mundane stuff can be really helpful to get you out of your head. One of the interesting ones, and this is not from me, this is from a mindfulness teacher, that if you think about something like washing the dishes, most of us, and I don't think I'm drawing too long a bow here to say this, thinking about getting past the washing of the dishes so they can get to the next thing. Not actually washing the dishes or experiencing washing the dishes. And it sounds ridiculous, but I have done the activity of washing the dishes mindfully. And I don't do it all the time because sometimes I'm, you know, I'm still working this stuff out. But I actually enjoyed washing the dishes and I did a better job. And I felt centered afterwards. And then I moved into the next activity for like, ah, rather than doing a fairly average job, cleaning the dishes and being unhappy with the universe for having to do that so that's also helpful you know like being invested in what you're doing rather than thinking about the next thing you're doing. Mm. 
Yeah, I was watching a talk a little while ago and I cannot remember who it was by, but they gave the idea that we don't really have a chance to be bored in modern life because we always have something to watch or to listen to or to be connected to or whatever it is. And things like washing the dishes and walking, I don't know about you, but often I will do that while I listen to a podcast or while you watch the TV. So you're always multitasking while you're being Mm -hmm. entertained by something externally while you're doing these boring tasks. So your brain doesn't get that chance to just be present. And that's where a lot of our creativity comes from is in boredom, what we would call boredom, but it's in the space where you're not thinking about something else externally. Yeah, beautiful, Rachel. That's exactly it. We fill our days so full of stuff that there's no space to do the work that is required to get us past what's got us stuck right now. That's right. And yeah. you'll be amazed how many people will say, I would come and see you, Adam. I really like your message. I want to do work with you, but I don't have the time. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you're not ready then, and that's okay. I can't make you come and see me because I know if I really push you to come and see me, you'll be thinking about the next thing that you're going to do, how much money you spent to come and see me, and you won't be picking up anything I put down anyway. So it doesn't help either of us. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Is this, I don't, you might have heard this. It's, oh, again. So you've thought of someone who said something profound and you can't remember who it was, yeah. and now I'm having the same problem. But it's the idea of meditate for 20 minutes every day. And if you don't have the time to meditate for 20 minutes every day, you should meditate for 40 minutes every day. You know, something like that. It's just, yes, of course. And that would have been some, it's probably some Zen master because of course they're always tangling yeah. up all of their stuff just to poke <laughs> you and put you in the right direction. Absolutely. <laughs> so that, I love that stuff that makes me giggle at the absurdity of my own prediction. Why am I tying myself in knots again? Yeah. That's it. Ah, I caught myself the other day really upset that I'd put out an offer to people. A small financial exchange was involved in this offer and I thought it was brilliant and people had asked for it and then it kind of went and fizzled. And I was like, what's what's wrong with me? Why aren't you buying my stuff? Why don't you? Ah, that's my work today. Right. That's, we're going we're gonna to investigate that little voice that's saying that thing. Why has that come up today? Mm. It's just, yeah, as I say, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not finished. Yeah. I, I am a work in progress. Well, I don't know if there ever really is a, a finish line. You know, it's a, really, it's a never-ending journey, not a destination. Yeah. It's true that so wonderful to hear you say it. I think there are people, beings who've, I don't know how you would explain it. Maybe they've taken the journey before and they get it and they come back and they point us in certain directions. You don't have to be a person of religion or faith to recognize that in people. Mm. And okay, yeah, they get it. All right. But then again, you wouldn't change what you've got for what they've got or anyone else. Keep, you'd keep your own stuff 10 times out of 10. Absolutely. So Adam, if someone wants to come and work with you, tell me about what that process would look like and yeah, what it's all about. Well, it's very organic. I would ask anyone just to find me on social media. It's just pretty much first name, last name, Adam Stanecki, and you spell it 
the way you say it. So it's nice and easy. My website's just adamstanicki.com. And that's just, that's got some information about my programs. But what I enjoy doing is connecting with people first and hearing a bit about their story. Because that's more important, like the connection. I mean, having come from a, a therapeutic background most recently, the, the most important thing is the relationship, not the work, not the process, none of that stuff. If you, if you can't get the relationship right, the rest doesn't work. And I speak from experience as the client who didn't have a strong enough relationship with the coach or the practitioner and as a practitioner who didn't connect with the client knowing that in, in both of those scenarios, if the relationship isn't right, it doesn't work. Mm. It's the same as having, you know, the teacher at school. If you haven't got the right teacher, they could still give you the correct lesson and you're not going to pick it up. Yeah. So true. Yeah, so if anyone wants to reach out to me, just reach out and we'll have a chat. And if that turns into something that involves an exchange of money, then okay. But if not, it doesn't matter. It's great just to connect with people. Yeah, that's awesome. And there will be links where you can connect with Adam in our show notes below. Final question. I love to ask everyone this. We always get marvelous answers. What oh, is, no. <laughs> just to build it up and make it difficult for you. Yeah. We, need a, we need a drum roll in here, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> so what is it that you believe is the most important thing about becoming the master of your own mindset? Oh, geez, you could have you could have shipped this one to me a little earlier. I like to keep it a surprise. Okay. Yeah, no, it is a nice good the master of your own mindset. Okay, I'll tell you what I've been playing with lately, and this might help someone out there. Maybe it's helping me. It's the idea of your mind not being your master. Mm. Instead, your mind being your slave. So if you think about it, your heart, your lungs, your body, every part of it works for you the being that is you, and yet we let our mind run rampant and control everything like it's pulling all of the strings. So what I'm playing with and what I think the, well, the answer to my next step and maybe to other people's next step is bringing the mind in check and having it work for me and having it work for you and having it work for everyone else. So it's just another part of the body. It's not in control. So you don't have to master it because it's not getting out of control all the time. It's there working for you. Yeah. So that's, that's big for me at the moment. So I'm trying to work out like, okay, I understand. That's another one. I understand it intellectual. Mm. How do I bring that into experiential awareness and work with that? So my mind's not just going, you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not, you're not whatever enough. No, I don't need you for that. What I need you to do is tell me, how do I get from here to that place I want to get to next? Mm. How do I open this tin? How do I cook spaghetti bolognese? I can't remember, you know, but, oh, just the basic stuff. Like work for me, not against me. Don't try and control me. I think that's a great answer. That kind of is the idea of what the Mindset Mastery podcast is all about. Having it work for you instead of it being your master. I love it. <laughs> I hope that's helpful to whoever's listening because it's something, as I say, I'm working with it. I don't think that's an easy one. I think it's, it's, it's very simple. The mm. concept is very simple. But working out the bones of that and, and how to make it work for you, there's a lot there. So that might be my next I don't know, 10, 20 years of work. Yeah. I love it. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been awesome to talk with you. 
Thank you so much, Rachel. I appreciate your time. If you'd like to connect with Adam, you can head down to the show notes below. If you've been enjoying Mindset Mastery, it'd be awesome if you could take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find the details to reach out to us below as well. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited 